We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Today is Monday, August the 16th, 2021. Today's show, we start with the news that took Gamecocks social media by storm Saturday as South Carolina quarterback Luke Doty has suffered a foot sprain and is questionable for week one. Guys, I'll talk about just what that means for South Carolina early in this 2021 football season and who most likely will get the start under center September the 4th against Eastern Illinois. Guys, also, we continue along with our 2021 position unit preview series. Guys, today's show, we are breaking down the Gamecocks offensive line heading into 2021 football season. Guys, we'll look back at how the offensive line fared in 2020. We'll meet the offensive lineman and talk most approved best overall season will be successful if and I'll give my overall grade for the Gamecocks big uglies heading into 2021 football season also guys we've got your listener questions and a fantastic conversation guys a great interview with former South Carolina quarterback Phil Petty as he joined me to break down his career in Columbia winning back-to-back outback bowls beating Clemson also an outlook on South Carolina football under Shane Beamer's leadership guys are going to pack show here on a Monday sit back relax enjoy it's all brought to you by our friends over at upstate movers group guys upstate movers group superior moving service they bring care and attention the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service guys service what separates upstate movers group from the competition they're not a trucking company they're a moving services company and they're also employee-owned co-op the movers are paid twice the industry average and everyone on the crew is invested in your success they have dedicated professional crew members and they also offer black glove service they offer end-to-end packing services custom crating and packaging special items and cleaning services as well they're founded by greenville natives and university of south Carolina alumni guys so a gamecock owned small business they also offer 20 years of project management moving experience and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media, at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, guys, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. Let's get it.
gents, boys and girls, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, host the Spurs Up show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. We have got a packed show here on a Monday. A lot to get into. A very, very eventful weekend in Gamecock Nation, guys. A lot to touch on here on this Monday as we sit now just 19 days away from another Carolina kickoff in the beginning of the Shane Beamer era you know folks walking around driving through columbia you know students are getting back on campus but you can really start to feel the the tension now in the air it's like you can feel it it's like it's damn near kickoff it's almost that time where we will lock in for each and every single saturday shane beamer's first season i'm fired up you're fired up but you can feel it you can feel it getting closer guys as we sit now just 19 days away it's crazy that it's almost here and this weekend by the way was one of those weekends that if you had any doubt if you had any doubt that football was close, look at Gamecock social media and the drama and the back and forth and the just everything swirling all throughout Friday, Saturday, Sunday with everything that went down, guys. And we're going to get into it more in just a little bit, but you got to love it, man. Football right around the corner. And again, folks, thank you all so much for rocking with us this preseason, everything. It's been a blast. It's been a blessing to count down the days to kick off with you all. And I know I speak for every single one of us. When I say, damn it, I'm fired up for September the 4th against East Illinois. Cannot get here fast enough. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope this show finds you well, whatever you may be doing, wherever you may be at, whether you're on the commute, you're in the office, on the job, you've got the day off, whatever it might be, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in, guys. Truly, truly a blessing. And I thank you all so much for the love and support, man. It's been crazy. It's been awesome to see you guys rocking with us, rocking with the content, rocking with everything we do. And like I said, going through this preseason, you guys love and support, man. It's it, it's been incredible. I can't say enough good things and and I can't express enough gratitude to each and every single one of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you all so much. By the way, guys, a quick update. If you are waiting on koozies, by the way, I had to order more though, but another batch of them just got shipped out. So if you're waiting and you haven't gotten your Beamer Ball koozie yet, I can assure you by end of this week, you will have it. No need to fear. No need to fret. Those koozies have been sent out again. Thank you all so much for the love and support there as well, guys, with the merch, with the koozies. It's crazy. I had to literally buy another batch. They were so popular. We literally sold out of them. So again, thank you all so much, man. It's been incredible. Also, we have got one hell of a week this week. As we get closer and closer to kickoff, things are really starting to ramp up even more so than normal. So guys, normal content schedule this week in regards to two podcasts, the Daily Crow, noon to one, everything you know. This will be the last week of the Daily Crow being at noon to one. Starting next week, a week from today, the Daily Crow will expand from instead of noon to one, it will be noon to two Monday through Friday. And again, I'm really, really excited to execute on that, guys. I think it's going to be a great thing, obviously, an extra hour, if you will. So make sure you tell your boss, hey, boss, I got to extend my lunch break because we got the Daily Crow from 12 to 2 now. Going to be a blast. Also, guys, we're back live at Tin Roof this Wednesday, 5 to 7. I'll have a couple of Gamecocks football players, former Gamecocks football players, if you will, joining me. Pops Frisbee and Corey Miller will join me. Tin Roof in the Vista, 5 to 7. Going to be a really, really good time, guys. Be sure you're out there. Come on out. Would love to, to hang out with you. $3 drafts, $10 wings. It's a great thing. Also, Thursday night, this is actually the first 
Carolina calls of the season with Shane Beamer. And yours truly, I'm thinking about going out there. Should be a good time. Then, of course, our live show Friday at Rita's on Folly Beach. So, again, if you're in the low country, if you live in Charleston, you're a Charleston Gamecock, I'll be out there live with Cox by 90, my good friend Jeff O'Hare, and I can appreciate him giving me the opportunity to talk some football with him. Be sure to come on out. So, again, guys, content bleeding out the eyeballs. Things are rolling as we continue to count down the days to kick off. But, guys, without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it because, of course, the elephant in the room and the thing everyone is talking about right now and what truly took Gamecock social media, especially by storm. So, as you all know, I went to Atlanta Friday, got to see Mercedes-Benz Stadium, went to the Falcons preseason game, which the stadium was incredible. We had a really, really good time. The on-field entertainment wasn't quite as good as uh, – as I would have liked. And again, I'm not a Falcons fan, by the way, in case you guys are wondering, but was able to go there and uh, you know watch a little preseason football, if you will. I wake up on Saturday to a DM from someone, just a random DM. And the DM said, hey, Chris, just want to let you know, Luke Doty is on crutches. I think he has a broken foot, right? And I thought somebody was messing with me. Like, I, I literally was like, dude, stop. I was like, don't, don't joke like that. Seriously, stop playing. And like, no, I'm serious. Luke Doty has a hurt foot, a bum foot, whatever. I then proceed to text my guy who is on the inside with Gamecock football. And I asked him, dude, what in the world's going on? We heard nothing about this. I was like, why am I getting a DM about Luke Doty's foot right now? I was like, this is not a funny joke. And he proceeded to tell me, he's like, yeah, man, he looked fine at practice yesterday. And, you know, unless Luke Doty dropped a weight on his foot or something, you know, I don't know when he could have hurt himself. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's BS. It's bogus. It's message board banter. You know, people are just bored on a Saturday creating rumors, what have you. Well, he texts me back about 10 minutes later. And again, this is Saturday morning, texting back about 10 minutes later saying, Chris, Legally, I can't say anything about the health and status of Luke Doty and what's actually wrong, but I can tell you that he is on crutches. And of course, that got things rolling and reports started to come out everywhere. Of course, like I said, guys, there were rumors early Saturday morning about Luke Doty. Of course, the Gamecocks scrimmaging Saturday afternoon, which I'll get into Shane Beamer's comments in just a second. Uh, but Mike Yuva on social media, was the first to break it. He said, I can confirm that USC quarterback Luke Doty did injure his foot at practice yesterday after being stepped on, according to team sources. Waiting to confirm the severity of the injury, Shane Beamer scheduled to speak with the media. Uh, he then followed that up with Luke Doty has a midfoot fracture and minor ligament damage after getting inadvertently stepped on late in practice yesterday. X-rays, MRI, and CAT scan will be evaluated by outside team consultants to see what extra protocols, if any, are warranted, according to team sources. And, of course, guys, once that news dropped, you know, fans were assuming the worst. Because I, I, I'll be honest with you, and I want to get to what Shane Beamer said after the scrimmage, you know, talking about adversity and the fans and stuff like that. And Shane Beamer was fired up in that presser after the scrimmage on Saturday. but. It doesn't matter what team you are. I don't care how much depth you have in your quarterback room. If you lose your QB1, that's a blow for any football team, right? So we all want a healthy Luke Doty. Even if you don't want him to be the starter, even if you want Jason Brown for whatever reason or Colton Gauthier to be the guy, you do not want to see Luke Doty go down in this fashion. But thank God 
The Gamecocks got some positive news when Shane Beamer, after the scrimmage, says that Luke Doty has a sprain in his foot and it is not season ending. Says they will reevaluate, reevaluate, excuse me, day to day, but will remain optimistic that he will be able to play week one. So again, thank goodness, not nearly as bad as we originally thought, but Luke Doty will probably not practice for the next three weeks. So what does it mean for Gamecock football? Because I'll tell you this, guys. Will he be ready to go week one against Eastern Illinois? I don't know. Here's the thing, though. You certainly don't put him out there if he's not 100% ready because you feel like and you know you are going to beat Eastern Illinois no matter who starts at quarterback. You're going to run the football a lot. You're going to run your offense. You're going to lean on that offensive line that we're going to talk about here just shortly. So you're going to run the football. There's no doubt. But what does it mean for the quarterback battle, quote-unquote? You know, it's funny, guys, and I told you this last week. I am not someone that is going to try to fabricate a quarterback battle or a quarterback debate or what have you when there's not one there. I mean, listen, for content, it's great, right? We all love to talk quarterbacks. It's always fun to debate quarterbacks. But Luke Doty's QB1. Luke Doty, when he's healthy, will be QB1. There is no question. Make no mistake about it. And I think what's funny is, you know, talking about game one and who will start, The people who are so quick to anoint Jason Brown, the guy, in Luke Doty's absence, just pump the brakes a little bit, guys, because what we've been hearing on Colton Gauthier, the way he's been performing and things I've been hearing from behind the scenes, I mean, it's a neck-and-neck battle for QB2 between those two guys. You know, I think Jason Brown coming from the FCS level, I think there's a transition for him, guys, no doubt. And, of course, Colton being a youngster, a really young guy, obviously he's like drinking water out of a fire hose right now, learning the offense, adjusting to the speed of the college game, all that good stuff. But a guy who was a good player and a highly thought-of player out of the state of Georgia. So I do not expect to see a ton of, if any, of Luke Doty September the 4th against Eastern Illinois. Now, after that, will we see him East Carolina? Certainly, I think he'll be ready to go by week three against Georgia. But, you know, what a a position that certainly there were question marks, but a position that was settled, most certainly, I think, going through fall camp, there really wasn't any drama in regards to, you know, who's going to be your quarterback, who's going to be QB1, who's going to take the majority of the snaps. It was going to be Luke Doty, and it is Luke Doty when he's 110% healthy. Again, I, I from, from looking on social media, I feel like there are a lot of fans out there that they want a quarterback debate. They, they want, and, and again, I, I know there are some people that are not huge fans of Luke Doty. I'm not going to spend this entire show, de- you know, defending him because I've done that before. You know, I'm not going to do it anymore. Luke Doty gives this football team the best chance to win, and that is just my honest opinion. I think he does give this team the best chance to win. Whether you like him, dislike him, what have you, his style of play, what he can do, his upside, his athleticism, I think he's your guy. And he's been named QB1 for a reason, right? And listen, I'll go ahead and own it. You know, Saturday morning, um, I said something about, you know, on social media, a lot of rumors circulating with Luke Doty and his health and You know, my final sentence was the Gamecocks' bold chances in 2021 hang in the balance. And Shane Beamer, after the scrimmage, I don't know if it was my post that inspired him or if it was, uh, you know, if it was something else. But, uh, you know, he was pretty passionate in regards to, you know, the doom and gloom, if you will. No doom and gloom here, by the way, on the Spurs Up show. No doom and gloom, but uh, he, he was pretty vocal in regards to people saying, oh, this, you know, the season's over because one player's out. Listen, I, I want to be very clear. That's not what I am saying or what I was saying in that original post. 
But again, guys, like I said, any team loses QB1. And again, I, I love Shane Beamer's energy. I, I love his passion. I love his perspective. I think it is something, again, this is what I said on social media that, you know, you can tell he's trying to shift the culture of the fan base. And listen, I, I, I'm speaking to myself, by the way, because I'm an imperfect human being. Too often, our Gamecock fans, including myself, too often are we doom and gloom. Too often do we just assume the worst in situations because, oh, well, we're the Gamecocks and bad things are just meant to happen to us. I love his energy. I, I love his energy, and I agree with everything he's saying. I would just say this again. You know, feeling, being a little worried about the 2021 season, if your guy, your QB1 cannot go, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom in that. It, it's just a real concern. It's just a real concern. But again, thank God that it's not nearly as bad as people thought it was. Because I know early in the day, of course, we were all freaking out. The early reports were that, you know, he had a fracture, he had ligament damage, and it sounded like something he'd be out four, five, six games. He might even play week one now, guys. So again, you know, I, I, the, the next couple of weeks are going to be really, really interesting. Because like I said, you know, I, I was not going to be one that was going to speak on a quarterback battle, quote unquote, that was not there. But now, hey, Luke Doty's not going to be practicing. And what an opportunity, by the way, for these two guys, Jason Brown, Colton Gauthier. Both these guys will be fighting to be the starting quarterback week one against East Illinois. Who's it going to be? We will see. Um, you know, I think when you look at those two guys, certainly the pros and cons of each, you know, both guys are very good throwers of the football, both good passers. But, of course, we don't know how Jason Brown is going to fare at this level. Colton Gauthier, an extremely extremely young kid. So how will he fare being thrown in the fire? But either way, these next couple of weeks, really, really interesting in regards to the Gamecocks quarterback position. You know, Beamer saying after Saturday's scrimmage, uh, saying, quote, Jason Brown took the majority of the QB1 snaps. Colton Gauthier worked some at quarterback. And let's not hide it, by the way, the carry-on joiner played some quarterback today, too. Let's put that out there. So, hey, could the carry-on joiner get the start week one? against East Illinois. Could he be a guy that helps you understand it? Because, you know, it, it's it's crazy to think about that Dak Joyner could realistically get the start or even get playing time at this point. But you know what, guys? I mean, again, on an offense where you're going to be looking for playmakers, you're going to be looking for dynamic ways to move the football and score points, I actually think Dak Joyner is a guy that fits the system and the scheme and what they're going to do offensively really, really well. I think he actually fits it really, really well. So again, could you see him under center a little bit? So, you know, it's very interesting. And of course, this is something we're going to be following all preseason long. I mean, certainly for the next 19 days, I think this is going to be the lead topic, the lead storyline, the thing that everybody's going to be asking Shane Beamer about, whether it be in media availabilities or Carolina calls or whatever it is. You know, people are going to want to know about the status of Luke Doty and just how his recovery is going. So, again, guys, of course, like I said, no, nothing crazy happened over the weekend, right? I mean, no, no, it, was, it was a boring weekend on Gamecock Twitter, especially. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the madness that ensued and the drama from some people. And, again, I'll tell you guys this. It feels so good for me to not be in the middle of it. I, I, have, no, I have no desire to be in the middle of any of that, that drama anymore, people going at people and stuff like that. Just don't think it's a good use of energy. But, uh, no, I mean, crazy. I mean, otherwise, the scrimmage, everything sounded good. You know, it's really tough. Again, we're not there. We're not behind the scenes. I'll actually have a post on the Big Cock Club Patreon, by the way, guys, if you guys want to join that 
I will have a post and scrimmage takeaways because I did have a guy there in the stadium on Saturday. You guys probably saw the video that I posted. So we did have some takeaways, but kind of hard. You know, you're not going to draw any conclusions, of course, from a preseason scrimmage, whatever. It was great to hear about Ortre Smith, by the way. And again, Ortre, a guy, you know, I've been extremely critical of. And a guy that, you know, I've said I've sold my stock on Ortre Smith. And I, I'll believe it when I see it. But, uh, you know, he said, quote, really excited about Ortre Smith. He's made some great competitive catches. Hey, let's hope. Let's hope Ortre Smith has returned to that 2017 form and he can be a guy that can help you. Again, I'm still skeptical. I'm still a guy that, you know what? I'm not going to buy any stock uh, in Ortre until he proves it to me. But you know what? It's great to hear, if nothing else, and hopefully he can be a guy. Also, definitely sounds like Jalen Brooks, man. I I think Jalen Brooks stepping up might be wide receiver one this year, guys. I I think he honestly might be wide receiver one. So again, Really interesting. There's a lot happening, a lot of moving pieces, of course, with the Doty thing and trying to figure out who your guys are. And then, of course, defensively, um, you know, getting after it there as well, who you're going to be able to depend on, who you're going to be able to work with. So really, really intriguing stuff. And again, I, I know that, you know, that's going to be the thing we're all keeping an eye on the next 19 days is Luke Doty, his health, his status. But again, thank goodness it's not nearly as bad as we initially thought. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. So, Again, we will stay, um, you know, locked into that. Let's see, the fall camp. I don't have the fall camp schedule in front of me. Um, I don't know if the Gamecocks practiced. I think they were off yesterday. Um, I'm not sure if – let's see, here we go. We got the fall camp schedule right here. So the Gamecocks scrimmage, they will practice, yes, today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, scrimmage Saturday, off day Sunday, and Monday. So, again, the Gamecocks will scrimmage one more time before the season opener September the 4th against Eastern Illinois. So, guys, yeah, like I said, we'll be keeping up with that. And, of course, the status of Luke Doty. Who gets the start week one against EIU and again this is something I'll continue to talk about on the podcast on the show and certainly a storyline we'll be following as we continue to count down the days to kick off all right with that being said guys let's continue along with the 2021 position unit preview series guys today we are talking the South Carolina big uglies the big boys up front of the offensive line the Gamecocks returning Four of their five starters, 84 career starts are back on this year's group. But before we talk about this year's guys and this year's unit, let's look back at the 2020 season. How did South Carolina's offensive line fare a season ago? And guys, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. When you paved the way for a 1,000-yard rusher the way you did with Kevin Harris, you would just initially look and say, you know what? The Gamecocks offensive line was really, really good. They had a hell of a season last year, right? 167.9 yards per game rushing, but pass pro. I'm telling you, pass blocking and run blocking. It was literally like night and day. You had the success on the ground running the football with Kevin Harris, but on the flip side, allowing 27 sacks. 27 sacks in a 10-game season, guys. Again, it didn't matter who was behind center for the Gamecocks. They were running for their lives. So again, 167.9 yards per game rushing, over 1,000 yards for Kevin Harris, but the 27 sacks, that was the sore spot. Again, the Gamecocks will look to shore up the pass pro for sure under new offensive line coach Greg Atkins. All right, let's meet the Gamecocks offensive line heading in the 2021 football season. You got junior Jalen Nichols, sophomore Vershawn Lee, redshirt junior Jovan Gwynn, redshirt sophomore Ja'Kai Moore, redshirt sophomore Mark Fox, freshman Jordan Davis, freshman Colin Henrik, 
redshirt freshman Tyshawn Wanamaker, freshman John Darius Morgan, redshirt freshman Chuck Strickland, redshirt junior Wyatt Campbell, redshirt junior Hank Manos, redshirt senior Eric Douglas, redshirt freshman Trey Jones, redshirt sophomore Vincent Murphy, senior Justin Turnantine, and senior Dylan Wanham. So again, a good many guys that are back, but again, 84 career starts, guys, returning. Four of five starters returning on the offensive line, of course. You lose Sidarius Hutcherson last year. He is now in the NFL, but you return this group basically fully intact. And again, Greg Atkins has a great base to work with. And you remember Shane Beamer talking at SEC Media Day saying, guys, hey, if you're good on both lines of scrimmage and you're good in the kicking game, you've got a chance. And certainly when you look at the line of scrimmage offensively for South Carolina, when you have that many guys back and you have the depth they do and you have the amount of career starts returning, that is a great starting point for building your offense in this 2021 football season. All right, let's talk most approved, best overall. Season will be successful if, and I'll give my overall grade for the Gamecocks offensive line heading in this season. And first, We'll talk most approved. And again, when you have four or five starters back, you have the amount of experience. You know, you have a lot of guys that you feel like are truly proven and have played quality football for you. But when I look at this Salcon offensive line, I, I think we all expect, you know, again, the identity of this football team offensively is going to be to run the football. And I think we expect South Carolina, especially after last year, to have a lot of success on the ground, right? We expect the Gamecocks to have success in the running game with Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, Dequandre White, Rashad Amos, and that entire stable of backs you have back there. But pass protection. Pass protection was a sore spot. And guys, you are not going to win many football games and you're not going to have a potent offense when you give up 27 sacks in a season. Now, I will say this. I will say this. I want to put some respect on the offensive line because I think those numbers a year ago were a little inflated. When you have a guy, and again, I do not have the hate and vitriol that some fans do have for Colin Hill. Um, nothing but well wishes for Colin Hill. Hope he has a fantastic career in football, post-football, whatever it may be. But when you have a guy like Colin Hill who is not mobile, who cannot run, and that is putting it very, very kindly, South Gun unfortunately got in a lot of positions last year where it's third and long, you're behind the sticks, it's an obvious passing situation, and you are asking your offensive line a, a really tough task. I mean, a really, really tough task, too, when a defense knows they can pin their ears back and you have a guy back there who can't get out the pocket. I think it made it really, really, really hard on South Gun's offensive linemen in those passing situations. But a guy to me, again, the most approved and the guy that will be protecting QB1's blind side, no matter who QB1 is, left tackle Justin Turnantine, for me, is the guy on this offensive line that has the most approved. Again, he's a senior, six foot seven, 342 pounds at a Hutchinson Community College, Ellenwood, Georgia. Again, a guy, guys, that listen, your left tackle protecting the blind side, right? And when you have these horrid sack numbers, and again, we've already seen Luke Doty. He's going to be coming off of an injury. You got to keep your quarterback upright. You, you got to keep your guy's jersey clean. You got to be able to give him time to throw, right? South Carolina is already fighting, I feel, an uphill battle in the passing game with the deficiency that is right now, at least at wide receiver. And, you know, all these question marks again in the passing game. And, you know, if you don't have time to throw and you can't keep QB1 upright, and your left tackle, again, might be the most important in this because he's protecting the guy's blind side. So, again, Justin Turner team been a solid player in his time here. I think he needs to take that next step, that next level, from being just kind of a guy to being a dude for you on the offensive line. And, again, 
You need to be Luke Doty or Jason Brown or Colton Gothia. You need to be their best friend. You need to be their best friend. Because, again, if you don't have that left tackle figured out and that guy, he can't keep a guy off his back, we're not going to have a whole lot of success on the offense and most certainly in the passing game. Let's talk best overall when it comes to the Gamecocks offensive line. And, guys, like I said, four or five starters returning, over 80 career starts. But, again, there are a lot of good options to choose from. But I'll tell you this, a guy that I'm really surprised is not getting more love from people in the preseason. I know he's made some preseason conference teams, but like when we're talking NFL, I don't know why people are not giving this guy more love in regards to, you know, NFL projections and the type of player he can be at the next level. Because I think no doubt he is going to be at the next level. And I think the guy that's truly the anchor of this South Carolina offensive line is the senior six foot five, 308 pounds right tackle Dylan Wanham. Again, I love his agility. I love his quickness on the offensive line. He's been a really, really good player for South Carolina over his career. I think he is poised to have his best year in the Garnet and Black, guys. And again, one of your most dependable, I, I think, when you look at the loss of Sedarius Hutcherson and what that means for South Carolina, I think Dylan Wanham can really step in and be sort of that next guy when it comes to a long list of, of great Gamecocks offensive linemen that got drafted and went on the next level and had success. I think Dylan Wanham is that guy. And again, he's one of those main pieces that really holds this offensive line together. So again, really, really good player. Expect to see him at the next level. My best overall in this Gamecocks offensive line heading in the 2021 football season, right tackle Dylan Wanham. Now let's talk season will be successful if. What will spell a successful season? for the Gamecocks offensive line in 2021. And I feel like this one's really, really simple. Again, guys, I've told you this before. When you're talking season will be successful if, and you know, you're not really talking, you don't have to be talking statistically and numbers and things like that. And that's exactly how I feel with this offensive line. Because for a successful season for this group, and what will spell a successful season? Again, I expect this group to pave the way for another really, really good year on the ground, no doubt. And when you have the guys like Kevin Harris, like Marshawn Lloyd, they're going to make that offensive line look really, really good. You don't have to give that those guys a huge hole to run through. They sort of make things happen. So we expect things to be successful yet again in the running game. But the passing game, folks, the Gamecocks season will be successful for the Gamecocks offensive lineman in this 2021 season, if simply put, they keep QB1 upright. That's it. Just keep the quarterback upright. 27 sacks. 27 sacks. That is the glaring number from a season ago. 27 sacks. And, guys, that was in 10 games. I know it was all, all conference games. I understand it was 10 SEC games. But still, 27 sacks. It is really, really hard and damn near impossible to be a successful offense, to score a lot of points when your quarterback is running for his life. Like, we were last season. So again, keep QB one upright. You do that. I think this offense is going to have a lot of success. And again, like I said, guys, I think the insertion of a Luke Doty or whoever else it is behind center, I think no doubt that position is getting much more athletic this year. And I think that will help out the Gamecocks offensive line. But again, for me, the season will be successful with the Gamecocks offensive line this season. If they can simply keep QB one upright, no matter who that is, no matter who that is. All right, let's talk overall grade, guys, and wrap this up, talking about the Gamecocks offensive line. 
again, I look at this unit and the big question mark is the pass protection, right? And it's so weird. You know, I, I've talked to, you know, when I had John Strickland on the, the show, John, a really good buddy of mine at Tin Roof, you know, I just asked him about, you know, how can you be so good in run blocking, but so bad in pass blocking? You know, he just said it's a different mentality. It's a different mindset. Obviously, it's a different technique. Greg Atkins, his first season as the offensive line coach. When I look at this South Carolina offensive line, again, it's a great place to start. It's a great, great thing to build your football team and your offense around when you have 84 career starts returning, when you have four or five starters back on your offensive line. Of course, you lose Sidarius Hutcherson. He was an anchor. He was a huge piece for you. But you really, really like what you get back. And Shane Beamer has spoken of that on numerous different occasions. But I look at this line. Certainly, there are questions when it comes to pass protection and, you know, how big of a jump will they make? Because I think the numbers will improve. I think no doubt the numbers will improve. I mean, it's 27 sacks. I find it really hard. Those could get much worse. But uh, I think the numbers will improve. But how big of a jump will they make in pass pro? And, of course, what you did in the running game last year, obviously, it speaks to itself. I think, you know, when I look at this group, I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put too much on them and say, oh, they're, they're the best offensive line in the SEC. and you know, whatever, but I think this is a really, really solid group. And again, I don't think the Gamecocks offensive line is really getting talked enough about. Uh, they're not getting talked about enough going in this season. I, I really don't think so. I think it is a strength for you. Um, I, you know, I, I think they're, like I said, when you're building an offense and you're building a football team, this is a great place to start. So I understand why Shane Beamer is confident in his football team when you look at, look at both lines of scrimmage. So again, my overall grade for the South Carolina offensive line, a B plus. Again, are they an elite offensive line? Are they one of the best in the entire country? I think that might be a little too too much, a little too bold, especially, you know, especially until they prove to us that they've improved massively in pass protection. That, that, that's what we all really need to see. I have no questions, no concerns when it comes to the run game, but overall pass pro. They've got to be improved in pass pro. You do that, again, I think the running game is going to be there. And again, a, a lot of that too, hey, the offensive line is going to get the blame when you give up a sack, but there's a lot of other things that have got to click too. You know what I mean? There's a lot of other things that have to click for South Carolina in regards to the receivers. And, you know, you start talking about the, you know, everybody else doing their job and your quarterback play and all that stuff. Again, I, I thought that the offensive line took a lot of the blame last year for the shortcomings of everybody else around them. I thought the offensive line did about damn near as good a job as they could. But, uh, you know, if you can fix the pass pro, you feel really, really good feel really good about your chances in this season with that with that group of big ugly so again my overall grade for the Gamecocks offensive line the 2021 football season give me a b plus again I think it is one of the strengths on your offense and actually one of the strengths on this football team as a whole um, all right so that's going to do it guys for the offensive line the position unit preview series rolls on Thursday show Thursday show I believe we're talking kickers and punters then we'll start talking defense next week like defensive line linebackers secondary all that good stuff and again that will take us into kickoff against eastern illinois in the beginning of the 2021 football season all right guys let's get into your listener questions real quick we got your listener questions and then a fantastic conversation great interview with phil petty t underscore harb says with Dodie out you would expect jason brown or colton to start and that's a great question and i don't think anybody really knows I i'll tell you guys this right now i, I would just say this could Jason Brown start? Sure. Sure. He could. Um, I think those that are just checking it off, though, and he's just think he's just a shoe in. I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit because 
Um, you know, from, from what my understanding is that Colton was actually QB two going in the spring game. So I, I think Colton, if I had to bet right now, I'd probably say Colton Gothier gets the start. Um, but how they handle the quarterback position week one as a whole is going to be really, really interesting in my mind. So again, is it Jason Brown? Is it Colton? Like I said, man, I know that's something we're, we, you know, we're going to be following for the next 19 days going into kickoff. And as we continue to evaluate Luke Doty's status, um, who gets the start? Like I said, if I had to bet, I would say it was Colton Gauthier. It could be Jason Brown, though. Who knows? Just play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. That's what I'll say. Uh, David underscore Barnes 76 says, we see the Quandre White back on defense now that Prunty is transferring. I don't think so. No, I, I think especially after you saw what he did in the spring game and how electric he was with the football in his hands, I think we all agree at this point, you know, he, he needs to have the ball. You know, he, he needs to have the ball. No question. So, no, I do not see Zaquandre White shifting back over to the defensive side. Uh, Judd Rupp, is Manos going to be playing much on the offensive line this season? I don't think Hank Manos is a starter, but I do think certainly he, he is going to play a ton. I think he gives you some hella good quality depth. And, uh, yeah, I would certainly expect to see Hank Manos in the rotation this season, no question. Uh, Thomas Rush underscore with Doty Hurt, does your record prediction change? So, with the latest diagnosis and it not being nearly as bad as we thought, no, it does not change my record prediction of 6-6 six and six as of right now because he will be back. And, again, I, I saw some of the people, the comments on Instagram. It's, it's whatever. I mean, they, they, they called me on what I said, and then Shane Beamer, it almost sounded like he was speaking to me. Maybe, like, maybe hey, I'm not going to lie to you. When it, when it first happened, I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Like, what in the world? Woe is me. And Shane Beamer was right to say what he said, and I loved every word of it. Again, with that being said, though, guys, yes, if Luke Doty was like, God forbid, knock on wood, this doesn't happen. But if Luke Doty was out for the season, guys, I, I – I know he hasn't really proven anything yet, right? But, I mean, yeah, of course it's going to change the predictions. Of, of course it's going to change the outlook of your season. And, again, that goes for any team. If any team loses QB1, guys, it, it does make a difference, right? It, it truly does. So, right now, my record prediction is not different. But, yeah, if, he'd have, if he had been out for five or six weeks, yeah, it, it might have changed my prediction a little bit. Not going to lie to you. Might might have taking a win or two off. So, I don't know. But right now, sounds like he'll be good. So, no, my record prediction is going to stand at 6-6 six and six until something changes. Um, Judd Rupp, Doty, injury strangely reminds me of Bentley's at start of season. Any quarterbacks in the portal? Well, thank goodness it's not as bad as we first thought. Um, Austin 20 underscore, what will the injury of this of – what will the injury of Doty bring to this team? <laughs> um, a, a lot of questions, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's – it's, it's just something you don't need. I mean, certainly South Carolina right now, so many question marks and guys trying to prove themselves and a brand-new head coach. The last thing we need to be worried about and dealing with is injuries. So um, you wish him a speedy recovery. Like I said, thank God it's not as bad as we initially thought. But, uh, you know, hey, it's a great opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for guys like Colton Gauthier and Jason Brown. Can they step up and can they fill in? and Can they flourish? Who knows? Who knows? We truly don't know at this point. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Amick199, joiner back at quarterback. Yeah. Um, Shane Beamer did say that he's working 97% of the time at wide receiver, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Dak gets back under center. Wouldn't that be crazy, by the way? Wouldn't that be crazy? Um, Jay Henner 3 who do you see being our QB1 now? Yeah, like I said, guys, gun to head, if I had to guess, I would go with Colton Gauthier week one. I think both guys will play, no question. I think you're going to see a lot of Jason Brown in week one. They're going to give him an opportunity to shine. 
Um, but I think Colton Gauthier is probably going to be the guy that gets the start. Um, and that's if Luke Doty's not back. Who, who knows? Maybe he'll be back. But if I had to guess, I would probably go with Colton Gauthier at the moment. Last question here. Jackson underscore Hester underscore says, favorite SEC stadium after williams Bryce, And a great question. However, I can't really answer that, I feel like, because I haven't been to them all. Um, I will tell you, I was able to go to LSU last year, obviously, during the, you know, during the 2020 season. And, dude, Tiger Stadium's incredible. I, I thought Baton Rouge was awesome. So I would put it up there. I mean, you know, Sanford, Sanford. I think Sanford's a cool stadium. But, you know, I'll be making my first ever road trip to Knoxville this year. I might be going to the Missouri the Missouri game in Como. Who knows? Maybe we'll go to A&M. Hell, I don't know. But, uh, no, let me, let me visit all the stadiums first. Let me visit all the stadiums, and then I'll get back to you on that, all right? I, I promise I'll follow up with you. All right, cool. Guys, appreciate listener questions. Thank you all so much for engaging, being interactive. You guys make this show one hell of a time. And again, thank you so much for the listener questions. Now, we have a fantastic conversation, a great interview. Don't go anywhere. Former Gamecocks quarterback Phil Petty, of course, who manned the South Carolina offense, the South Carolina team to back-to-back Outback Bowl wins in 2000 and 2001. Guys, a fantastic combo, a great interview. Really, really excited for you guys to hear this one. And again, Phil, just an awesome dude to a genuine dude. And I'll tell you this, wait until the end of the show. Guys, the best Lou Holtz impersonation, I swear to you, that you have ever heard. I, I literally thought Lou Holtz was in the room with me when he did it. So again, Great stuff. A great time, guys. Again, sit back, relax, enjoy. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. Guys, attention, listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Guys, kick your pubes to the next planet with a performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming guys join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com slash t-s-u-s 20 for 20 percent off and free shipping again guys we've all been there right we're, we're we're manscaping we don't have the right tools we cut ourselves we nick ourselves it's bleeding it's burning it hurts no bueno leave that in 2020 guys ready for an out of the world experience fellas then look no further than the performance package 4.0 from manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance Boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. First schedule for liftoff, new Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. This spaceship's here to guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, butt, and even your anus, guys. This fourth-generation trimmer also features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a 7,000 RPM motor. A new multifunction on and off switch can engage a travel lock, and it's even waterproof. Guys, Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. The performance package 4.0 also includes the weed whacker. It's like having a little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Guys, the weed whacker is also waterproof and it uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs 
in those delicate holes. And guys, don't forget to use the crop preserver, ball deodorant, and their crop reviver to help your little planets be on their A game while feeling the sun's heat. And of course, you need that in the Columbia heat, by the way. Uh, Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag, abort hairy balls, and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Guys, again, get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash TSUS20. That's 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash TSUS20. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Again, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Enjoy this conversation with former Gamecocks quarterback Phil Petty. All right, joining us in the Spurs Up show is a man that played for Gamecocks football from 1998 to 2001. During his career, he completed 53% of his passes, threw for 5,656 yards, also threw 28 touchdowns, ran for four more, but most notably led the Gamecocks to -to back-to-back Outback Bowl wins over Ohio State in 2001 and 2002. Guys, I'm very pleased to be joined by one of the best to ever do it in Garnet Black under center, former Gamecocks quarterback, Phil Petty joins the show. Phil, appreciate you taking the time to do this, man. It's a pleasure to have you on. Chris, love your show, man. Appreciate appreciate your time. Nice to be here, brother. For sure. One of the stats I want to point out also, Phil, before we get going, because I didn't realize this either, but uh, I was taking a look and I read an article. You actually won 17 of your last 23 games at South Ghana. So not a bad finishing mark. I know it obviously got off to a rough start, which we'll get into in just a second, but 17 and six in your last 23, obviously those teams, two of the best teams I'd say in school history in 2000 and 2001. And again, we'll dive into that more in just a second. But first things first, I want to go back to the beginning for you, because obviously you're an in-state guy. You're from Boiling Springs, which same, uh, same town as uh, Dylan Thompson, which just comes to mind to me, but uh, you're from Boiling Springs. You're the original Boiling Springs bulldog, if you will, that came to South Carolina. Just talk about your recruitment. Obviously you got to South Carolina at a very interesting time. Uh, I guess what Brad Scott, he was in his last year and then Lou Holtz took over in 99, but just kind of talk about the recruitment, what that was like for you and why you chose South Carolina. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it was an interesting process. I mean, I was recruited pretty heavily and uh, you know, uh, had pretty much every offer in the Southeast um, and other places as well. Um, you know, for me, it came down to really three schools, uh, Tennessee and North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, at the time, Mac Brown was at North Carolina. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, they make it very hard to say no. He does a really good job recruiting, gives you the Mac Brown handshake. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, they do a great job up there. Uh you know, David Cutcliffe was the uh, offense coordinator at Tennessee. Peyton was there. He was my host. And, you know, so it was uh, it was very hard to say no to Tennessee as well. But, mm. you know, growing up a Gamecock fan in the state of South Carolina, I always pulled for him since I knew what football was. Um, I actually visited Clemson as well. But, you know, they weren't throwing the football at all. Um, mm. You know, and so it wasn't even a – you know, I wasn't going there, period. But that certainly when they're not throwing the football, that wasn't really – they weren't in they weren't in the play. So, uh, but yeah, for me, it was it was a very easy decision. For sure. Now, one of your teammates, a guy you played with, and of course you got there because you played early in your career at South Gun. I mean, you had 112 attempts in 1998, and I think yeah. you platooned with Anthony Wright, correct? I mean, you, again, yeah. you played a lot that first year. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Anthony Wright because I feel like he's a guy yeah. that's a a very underappreciated Gamecock. Of course, the teams he was quarterback of, they didn't have as much success as you would have liked, but I mean, probably the most successful Certainly under center, the most successful NFL Gamecock at quarterback. Of course, we could talk Stephon yeah. Gilmore and all that. But, I mean, Anthony Wright had one hell of an NFL career. Just talk about building a relationship with him. What you were able to learn from him during your time at yeah. Carolina. 
No, A1 was – he was great to me when I got there. He took me under his wings. I mean, he was, he was never – he's a very uh, – you know, uh, he, he doesn't have any ego to him. Uh, the one thing about Anthony is Anthony can throw the ball about 75 to 80 yards in the air, and that's <laughs> that's not many people can do that. Right. I know I certainly couldn't. So, you know, it was one of those deals, man, where, you know, I knew that uh, I had a – you know, Anthony had a lot of, you know, experience under his belt. So, you know, I had a lot, lot, he was a great mentor for me, you know, to learn from just, you know, really just being out there in the competition level, you're going to have to play against an SEC. And, you know, I was fortunate that uh, Coach Scott gave me an opportunity to get my feet wet. And, um, you know, I was lucky actually when he got hurt, uh, not to lose my redshirt year when Vic Penn came in, uh, which gave me, you know, a fifth year of eligibility at the end. So uh, Coach Scott was good about that, but just very fortunate to be there. Uh, be under a guy who had a hell of a career in the NFL. Um, and like you said, probably the most decorated quarterback to ever, to ever go to the next level. And so, uh, but a one was a super, super talented guy. He, uh, you know, even when, even when, you know, the, he didn't process it maybe quick enough or get the right read, he can make up with it with his arm strength. So, mm-hmm. and obviously create with his legs as well. So yeah, a one was a great player. Yeah, one of my favorite stories is good buddy of mine, and of course yours, Eric Kimry. Though Eric told me that uh, he's like, you know, when you get to campus and go to college, you have these dreams and aspirations of playing NFL football. And he's like, you know, I showed up to campus and I saw Anthony Wright throwing the ball, and he's like, maybe I'll just be a coach. So, <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, no, like, well, I say, he, Anthony can throw it from here to the ocean. I mean, he is on. <laughs> Right. His arm springs off the chart, and, uh, you know, that's what made him great in the NFL, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So, you definitely hit some adversity, Phil, early on in your career, and I think it's really interesting because you're going to have a lot of great perspective in talking about what the current players at South Carolina's roster, what they're going through. And, of course, right. I'm talking about a coaching change. You know, Brad Scott gets let's go, let go, and Lou Holtz gets hired, which is a great thing, but still certainly for you, even though you grew up a Gamecock fan, I'd have to imagine – you know, there were some mixed emotions. I mean, all the coaches that recruited you and the guys that you thought were going to be there for your next three to four years, they're all yeah. gone. It's a brand new staff. Just talk about the coaching change. What was the transition like for you? I mean, did you ever have, you know, any doubts about your future? I mean, again, of course, a, a legend, a Hall of Famer like Lou Holtz gets hired. I'm sure that made the decision a little bit easier. But what was that like for you when Coach Scott got let go and yeah. you guys went through that transition? Oh, it was tough for me because Coach Scott gave me a chance in my dream. You know, I mean, that was my my dream school. It was, you know, and he gave me that opportunity. So I'll, I'm forever grateful for that. Uh, when he was, you know, obviously they made the change. It was emotional for me as a young kid to, you know, your first year and you have a new coach. But, you know, we were all uh, kind of in awe of Coach Holtz when he came in, you know, so it was it was a big deal. I mean, when Lou Holtz walks in the room, it's, you know, you're like, man, that's Lou Holtz, you know. But, uh, you know, the, the beauty of it is you got Lou Holtz, uh, you know, the downside is in spring practice, he said, don't worry, Phil, I'll find you a good home. You can transfer. Oh, so man. <laughs> <laughs> after, like, the fourth, after the fourth spring practice. So, uh, so it was tough. It was a tough transition because there were two totally different mindsets. You know, you know, Brad Scott what was your spread, your Florida State offense. And here's Coach Holtz comes in with, you know, the Notre Dame offense of, of the old days. And so it was a. Uh, I wasn't really a great fit for that offense, to be quite honest. Uh, and, and, you know, so we struggled, you know, a lot that first year. And not only because of, you know, me and, and, and you know, making some bad decisions. And then I got hurt. I tore my MCL. And then uh, – but I do remember in the offseason, uh, he and Skip went to Purdue when Drew Brees was there. And they they actually – you know, he said, we got to make a change on offense. So – you know, they go up there and, and basically that's when we implemented the spread offense and it gave us a chance in the Southeastern conference to spread people out because we weren't good enough at that point in time. And especially 
at certain positions um, to, to just line up and run the football against Georgia and Tennessee and Florida at that time, who right. the, SEC, the SEC East was really good then. You know, they were better than the West. So, um, you know, so we had to make some changes. And I think that was the biggest difference, man. We just, heck, we went in and put the spread in and it, you know, gave us a chance to, to kind of utilize my skill sets as a quarterback. We got, we got healthier on the offensive line. Uh, we had some pretty decent skill guys. And so it gave us a chance to, you know, be successful. Now you talked about the early challenges and adversity in that 99 season. You mentioned your injury and I, you know, it's funny. I, I talked to you and I, I feel like I brought this up the last time I chatted with you, but you took an absolute beating that 99 season. Let's, <laughs> let's just call it for what it is. I mean, it was a, beat, it was, a beating on and off the field. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> not, yes. Exactly. You're not, very, you're not a very popular play, uh, person around campus when you're 0 and 11 at quarterback. Yeah, and, and you're the starting quarterback of the team. Yeah. yeah but yeah. so I, I would love to hear again, perspective on that. I mean, you go through that, you're one in 21, your last 20, and again, you know, as the quarterback, I mean, you're you're the CEO of this thing. You're you're the face yeah. of the franchise, if you will. And I I talked to Langston, you know, of course, your former teammate, a little bit about this uh, the other day, just about what impresses me most. I think because again, you are the quarterback of that team, but also the quarterback of the greatest turnaround in college football history. Like, you're the leader. How how are you able to stay positive? And I I guess going in the 2000 season, like keep guys going, like continue to show up to to morning workouts and go hard in practice. Because again, you had to have that type of energy and that enthusiasm yeah. and that positivity to turn the thing around. But like you yeah. mentioned, I mean, when you're one in 21 in your last 22, it's pretty hard to to rally <laughs> the troops and you know get everybody yeah. on your side and everything. So yeah. you know, being the leader of that, how, how did you handle that? Well, first of all, you don't read you don't read the newspaper. You don't you know back then we didn't have the social. A lot media easier without matter. Twitter, right? A lot easier. Yeah, we, lot, we didn't have social media, <laughs> yeah. which was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, so you don't do that. Though, but you know, you try not to read the state newspaper. You try not to do certain things. You just try to focus. And then we knew we had talent because the two classes that we signed back to back, we we knew there was talent there. It was just young talent. And then we had a a ton of injuries on the offensive line that, you know, my sophomore year, I mean, a ton. So it wasn't, it wasn't like there weren't talent. There wasn't talent there. We just had a ton of injuries. And so that's why I took the beating that I took and it was a hell of a beating, you know, but I mean, but we got through it. And so, you know, you just, you keep working, you know, you tell the guys, Hey, listen, we're going to get better. We knew we were implementing a new offense. Uh, we knew that Charlie uh, was coming in on defense. They were going to mix up some things. They went to a three, uh, three defense. And so, you know, they were doing some, some different things. So we knew like, you know, Hey guys, we just got to stick together on this deal. We got to bust our tails, you know, work hard in the weight room. We're only going to get better. You know, we can't go down from here. Right. So we can only get better. So uh, we, we really did, man. We had a bunch of guys that believed in each other. We had a lot of character guys, but we had a lot of talent too, you know? And so we just all stuck together and said, Hey, we're going to get this thing done, you know, come, come hell or high water. And so we just, we just really and truly, we just stuck together and, and, and said, hey, we're going to get it done. Yeah, and you most certainly did, like I said, 17-6 and six in your last 23 games, back-to-back Outback Bowl wins. That 2000 season, Phil, again, I talked to Langston about this, but I definitely want to get your perspective. You know, you beat New Mexico State, and that's the one. You get the monkey off the back, the goalposts get tore down, and, and what's funny is Langston told me, he's like, you know, we were, at least he said this, he said, we were more nervous – for New Mexico State than we were Georgia the following week because it was like, yeah. well, now we've got the monkey on our back. We might as well go out there and win this one too. And yeah. you, know, you line well, up against those guys and, you know, you're yeah. like, they're not that much better than us if better at all. But, yeah, I mean, getting that monkey off your back, then beating Georgia, and it's like it was on from there. I mean, yeah. so I agree. To totally, man. I mean, that first one was tough because, heck, when you lose that many games in a row, it's like, good God, can we win a game? I mean, you know, <laughs> did we just are we just not good enough to win one in this stadium? Is there right. is it a chicken curse? I mean, what right. is it? 
So, but no, we we just hung in there, worked hard. And then when we beat Georgia at home, though, that was uh, – they were ranked – I don't know. They were ranked high. They were – I want to say top ten, but I'm not positive. And then Quincy was the Heisman candidate and uh, at quarterback. And then he – you know, when he threw those five picks and then, um, you know, we had a decent game throwing the ball. And then Derek Watson had a huge game yeah. uh, with some plays that we had put in for that for that game. So, um, you know, but when we beat Georgia at home, we knew then we had a chance. You know, that, that was the game that really – you know, New Mexico was hard, but when we beat Georgia at home, we were like, all right, we got we got a chance here, you know, to, to build something. So, yeah, that was huge, a huge momentum gainer for us. Yeah. Now, those back-to-back Outback Bowl wins, of course, we got to talk about that. And two really interesting games. You know, the 2001 Outback Bowl was the Ryan Brewer game. And you guys take them to the woodshed, by the way. And you'd never <laughs> see it these days where, like, I just couldn't fathom South Carolina playing the same team back-to-back years, especially when it's someone as notable as Ohio State. But you guys did that. And, again, that first game, you really take them to the woodshed. Again, Ryan Brewer has the, the game of his life and is the MVP and all that good stuff. And then the following year, you guys jump out to a huge lead. They storm all the way back. And then Daniel Weaver makes the game winner. I mean, both yeah. different games, but just as sweet, I'd imagine, again. And you closing out your career also in the 2002 Outback Bowl, you know, with a win in that way. And again, to cap off, you know, that two-year run after going 1-21 in 21 and 22 games. I mean, just talk about those two games, and especially the 0-2 game, man, closing your career off that way. I can't imagine you could have scripted it much better than that. You know, you couldn't. And, and, you know, the thing is, if you had – I remember we were there for eight nights, and, you know, you go out to uh, certain places in Ybor City and you see each other, you get to meet some of the guys. And if you would have lined us up and looked at each team, you said, well, South Carolina has no chance because they were huge. I mean, they had just, you know, just – <laughs> Big I mean, this wasn't this was a team that won the national championship the next year, so they were pretty say, good. I, I, I was going to go there. So, like, yeah. you know, the year we beat them in two thousand two, they win the national championship. So they had a lot of talent. I mean, yeah. and so I think that the difference uh, was we had a little bit more speed at certain positions, especially especially probably defensively. We were, you know, we gave them issues. Uh, they were big and strong up front, they had a decent running game and all that. But we were just typical we were, SEC versus Big Ten, man. Just the speed. That's it. The it was speed. speed and speed yeah. kills. And so, no, we just, I think we just had more speed than they did. And probably at that point, we had a lot of experience. We had a lot of juniors and seniors. Um, and, and shoot, you got to think now that year we had six guys drafted, six or seven guys drafted, which may be one of the most ever in South mm-hmm. Carolina history. I mean, in, in one season. And then we had, I know, 13 or 14 that, that were either drafted and or signed free agent contracts. So we had a lot of talent ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, and with all the experience we had, I mean, we were just we were, we were the better team, you know, no, yeah, for sure. Great. I mean, awesome experience. I mean, at that point in time, you know, it was the a, it was the biggest turnaround in college football history. I'm going to, you know, toot our horn a little bit there. But a, it was the biggest turnaround in college football history, you know. So, I mean, and, and it was the winningest two year span in the history until, you know, Connor and those guys came along. So, I mean, it, we were very that's something I'm still to this day. We're all very proud of. Yeah, no, most definitely it should be. And I know Gamecock fans obviously look back on that two-year stretch and those teams and what you guys did. And it's obviously still very, very well remembered um, for what you guys did on the field. Now, the Carolina-Clemson rivalry, of course, you being an in-state guy, and I talked about, you know, your final game being against Ohio State and how special that was, but your final game at Williams-Brice Stadium, beating Clemson. And I, I know that was one, you know, as frustrating as, as the record was early on. And probably I'm, I'm imagining what's even more frustrating is losing to your rival. And you being able to go out, on a high note against them at home. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'd have to imagine that was pretty cool. 
Well, but let's point out they cheated the year before. Oh, the push off, of course. Rod Gardner push off. That that, that, the referee, his he was on the take that game. I'm sure. So because that was a should have been two in a row. Should have been two. Yeah, should have been been two in a row. But no, beating them at home. I will say this about that rivalry that it doesn't matter how good you are, what your record is, and we all, you know, you always hear the cliche (laughs) take take the records out the window. But we were better. We were probably we felt like we were two touchdowns better our senior year than Clemson. Um, and they, as hard as they played, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, and that's, that's just that rivalry. That's the beauty of it. But I mean, they gave us heck the entire game. I mean, it offensively, defensively, they got after it and, you know, we were playing pretty well, uh, but we came on in the second half, you know, started getting a little rhythm going and found, you know, found a way to win the game. But that's the beauty of that rivalry is you truly can throw the records out of it and you really can. So, but it was a beautiful thing to walk off that field final game in Williams Bryce stadium. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, you quarterbacked Phil so many incredible wins, especially during that two-year stretch. I'm curious, is there one that stands out to you? Again, we just talked about the Outback Bowls and, and Clemson, but I, I'll tell you, for me personally, one of my most memorable plays of you is uh, the 2001 Georgia game where you throw the touchdown to Brian Scott. I mean, you got yeah. pummeled. I mean, you got pummeled. You're getting yeah. helped off to the sideline. Everybody's celebrating yeah. in the end zone. You're getting helped off. But, I mean, okay. that game, there were many more. Was, was there one game that really sticks out, though? Is yeah. You know, 2001 Bama is another one. I mean, the, the Rod yeah. Trafford catch. I mean, there were so many good memories. Yeah, I got to give I got to give my boy Brian Scott some credit there because I understood. It was a hell of a catch. That hell of a yeah, catch. He went, he, went up and he, he went up and made a catch. I always, always kid him. That's about the only catch he ever made in his career. But, uh, <laughs> he, uh, no, I'm joking. He's, he was one of the great ones. But he, uh, he went up and made a play. But, we, you know, that, that drive though we had three third down conversions i hit ryan brewer across the middle matt thomas down the side matt made a great catch brewer made a great catch and and then brian made a great catch so just you know three players making yeah. plays uh to go win the game and that's a that's a tough place to go play especially oh, yeah. at night, you know, between the hedges so you know that game uh you know beating them two years in a row uh you know the alabama game winning for the first time in school history was was probably one of the that was probably the my greatest memory just because we were down I think 13 points with only about five, six minutes to go, something like that, and came back and and then found a way to win. And then obviously Trafford makes the catch in the end zone to win it. But uh, but yeah, that, those are some some great memories. Now you worked at South Carolina as a GA after your career, correct? You were there for a yeah. couple of years. How how long was that stint? And I know you were at ECU as well, coaching. What what yeah, was your so, coaching yes. career post South Carolina? Yeah, so I coached uh, GA for Coach Schultz's last year. So I was there for the I was there for the street fight at Clemson up in the Okay, so you were there for that. Okay, geez. Yeah, yeah. So that was his last game ever at South Carolina. But uh, I was fortunate to be able to work for Coach Holtz, mm-hmm. uh, You know that last year and, and learn an awful lot there. And um, you know about uh, learned about making coffee early in the mornings and washing the boards and all that stuff. <laughs> That's a graduate. <laughs> he assistant. put you to work. He put you to yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, so did that, and then you know I went uh, with Skip to East Carolina, had five years, and had a had a wonderful five years there, and two conference cha- conference USA championships there, and four bowl games, and so we, you know, had a, had a really great run in, in the coaching in the coaching side of it for sure. Yeah. How, how cool was it for you? Again, I, I really feel like, you know, when you build a program, you got to pay respects to the guys that came before you because without you guys, there's not the, you know, the Spurrier teams and the teams we're going to see in their beam. It, it all, like, builds on itself, right? But from your perspective, again, sitting back and then watching a guy like Connor Shaw do what he did, wearing the number that you wore at South Carolina, I mean, I, I'm sure you had to – and I know you're a guy, again, you, you take a lot, of, a lot of pride in it, but I'm, I'm sure for you it had to be really, really cool to sit back. And, again, Steve Spurrier – 
did things that, I mean, none of us, many of us didn't think were possible. I mean, going to Atlanta, that three-year run they had. And then again, Connor, like I said, wearing 14. Something about Gamecock quarterbacks in 14. Like I told you, I think they need to put a one on Luke Doty's jersey just for the heck of it and to see if there's some (laughs) magic in the 14 uniform. But uh, no, just watching the evolution, I guess, of counting football and being able to take pride in the fact like we we really helped – start that because those Holtz teams they may have not gotten necessarily quite to the height that Spurrier teams did but there's no Spurrier without Lou Holtz like I fully believe that sure no you're exactly right and with you know Gamecock fans that not to say there hasn't you know haven't been some great years but I remember the Joe Morrison days when I was a kid you know they had some great runs then and then it kind of fell off and um, so, but I mean, you know, that, you know, I think that just the, the, the fact that we can build that, you know, and, and, and build, start building those, that, that, that block, you know, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other, beat, 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 beat in Alabama, beat the Georgia twice, you know, beat Clemson, beat those teams you're not supposed to beat, or in the past, historically, you're not right. supposed to beat. Um, and then see what Spurrier did, you know, was phenomenal. I mean, I sit back and being able to watch those games, you know, watch what Connor, but look at all the great players they had. I mean, they had some, I mean, really good players, but it's recruiting, you know, you go back and look and it's like, it enabled them to start recruiting on a different level. And so you got to get the, I call them boy dogs. You got to get the boy dogs back on campus. And that's what we got to do right now. And, and that's what, that's what Beamer's going to do. You know, coach Beamer's doing a heck of a job right now. And, you know, with that staff and, Man, I, I, you know, I could go on and on and on, but I had a chance to, to, uh, you know, tour the facility and I, you know, I can tell you this. I was going to ask you how, how crazy is it to see the facilities now? And like, I mean, I've heard the, I've heard the stories from Kimry about like the rats in the stadium and everything. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I just can't even fathom like what y'all were going through. It's, 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 it has came so far, Chris. Like it's, it's, it's not even, it's night and day. I mean, but I will say, I mean, and I say this all the time, but if I'm a high school kid right now Mm. and I'm coming out, and I walk on that campus. You, you're not gonna. They're not gonna go to another university with as as nice or nicer. You know, as not probably as nice as facilities that we have right now. I mean that that football facility we have is going to give a kid as good a chance as anywhere in America as a student athlete to develop. Uh, you know, as a, as a as a college football player to develop and then develop it for the next level. I mean, you will not find a nicer place. And so I, I, you know, I'm, I don't hesitate to say that. And that's something I'm very proud of to have been a part of, you know, building to that, but like what they've got now, whoo, man, it's nice. And so, you know, I look forward to seeing what Coach Beamer is going to do with this place. How cool is it seeing your former teammate Eric Kimry on staff? It's funny. Everybody I talk to, they're like, they're not surprised at all because he was always Coach Kimry. Even when he was a player, he was basically like a coach. But how cool is it seeing your former teammate, your former quarterbacker, if you will, uh, on the staff right now? He is uh, characters. I mean, uh, character is the first word that comes to mind. <laughs> you know, Kimry's, Kimry's one of those guys. I mean, he's just, he's always been a great guy. Uh, he was a good quarterback too. I mean, really good player. The fade. Uh, hey, not many guys have have a, a play named after them. So well, and I, I I give him crap about that because I threw for over three hundred. I think about three hundred thirty yards. <laughs> he got all the credit. Defense and Miss, yeah. you know, Mississippi State. I think they were number one defense, and nobody remembers me. You know, they're yeah. just like, oh, the fade. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, right. so I mess with him about that a little bit. Yeah. No, it was actually a great throw. But he's he's such a great guy. He's you know, he comes, his dad was one of the greatest high school coaches, you know, that coached in South Carolina. So he's got the pedigree. He's, he's got the knowledge. Um, and, you know, he's going to go on and do great things there. They're, they're very fortunate to have a guy like Kimry. I, I think we as former players are so proud. There's a sense of pride there, you know, that he's on staff and he's back there. And 
um, you know, so we'll get a chance to go back and see him and he's going to do great things. And, and this ain't the end of the road for him. He's, he's going to, he's going to keep developing his career also. So we'll for see sure. him do great things. For sure. Now, Phil, like I spoke on earlier, again, I think you have great perspective in, in regards to what the guys on this current roster are currently going through. And I, I'm actually someone, again, it was a totally different level, different sport, but um, I, I went through a coaching change as a college athlete as well. And, and there's just, there's things you go through. There's uncertainty. There's adversity, if you will. And I think Shane Beamer's done a really, really good job in regards to like wrapping his arms around the current guys. And I think making everyone feel like, you know, at home, as he says, and not, not making it feel like, oh, I'm just trying to get my guys and you guys are just whatever. But I, I guess give fans an idea, some perspective on what the guys are currently going through. And then what, what advice, I guess, would you give if you could give advice to the current players of just how to go through a coaching change. Again, most of these guys, all these guys were recruited by the previous staff. They thought their coach was going to be here for three, four years. And all of a sudden it's just a brand new culture, brand new scheme, brand new system. A lot of guys are left looking around like, do I need to go somewhere else? And again, I think Beamer's done an incredible job in regards to keeping the pieces together and making everyone feel, you know, feel good about the direction of things. But just overall, you know, your, your thoughts on the coaching change and what you would say to those guys. Yeah, well, what happens is when a, when a head coach comes in, he has he has you know sit down meetings with each and every player. Okay, and basically says this is where we are, this is what you've done in the past, and this is what I would like to see you do in the future. Right. What are your goals? You know, do you, are you going to be there? Are you going to fit into what we want to do? And what you know what Shane's going to do and what he's doing is create the right culture. So when you see that happening as a player, you get the buy-in, and that's mm-hmm. what you have to have. You have to have complete buy-in. You have to put the past in the past. Nothing against Coach Muschamp. I had a lot of respect for Coach Muschamp, but you have to put the past in the past, and there has to be complete buy-in. And when you get that, you're going to get a bunch of guys on that field. They're going to work their tail off. You know, they're going to sacrifice for each other. They're going to do. Basically, comes down to are you, what you know. Are you willing to do everything for the guy beside you, and are you willing to outwork the guy across from you? Mm-hmm. And if you get them that mentality, you know, and that culture created. Um, and, and truly understand that, 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 you know, Coach Beamer cares about us and cares about what we do as, as a college student athlete, but also our, our future maybe possibly in the NFL. And when you get that kind of buy-in, you're going to have success. And that's what they've got to do. You know, like I said, that you can't, you can't, you know, the rear view mirror is small. That windshield's big, right? So you've got to, I mean, you've got to stay, you got to stay focused on the future. And they've got a great opportunity in front of them. They've got the nicest facilities we've ever had. Uh, he's put together a fantastic staff. Um, and so I think that as long as he gets that and he is getting that already, and then obviously, you know, the recruiting will take care of itself mm-hmm. for sure. Now, now I know we just talked about Shane Beamer, of course, and the alumni had a huge say in him being hired. You know, I've talked again, some of your former teammates, your buddies, John Strickland and Kimry and all those guys. And I know there was a lot of, I remember specifically, I think last December, there was like a Letterman zoom meeting. They were trying to figure out who did the Letterman want hired, you know, who was the favorite in the clubhouse, if you will. And of course, Shane Beamer gets the job. And early on, I don't think people would have predicted that because you heard the, the normal names come up of the freezes and the Billy Napiers and the Jamie Chadwells and, you know, I think we'd all agree it was the right hire. He's our guy. He's crushed the preseason. But your overall impression is they haven't played a game yet. Of course, we're in the we're in the honeymoon phase, if you will. Everybody's O and O, right? You know, nothing. Nobody's. I, I say nobody's dropped a pass. Nobody's fumbled the football. Right. Nobody's thrown a pick. Nothing. They haven't hit adversity yet. But right. your just overall feelings on him getting the job, the job he's done this preseason. Again, I think we'd all agree he's absolutely crushed the preseason to this point. And we're all looking forward to September the 4th. But just overall thoughts on the beginning of the Shane Beamer era, if you will. Well, I can tell you this, and, 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 a, and a lot of times coaches don't do this. So, Coach, I don't, Clyde Rand, Coach Rand, um, you know, he called me and says, uh, you know, uh, this is one of our, 
you know, ideal candidates uh, and Shane Beamer, and he's going to call you. And he reached out to me, I would say two or three times mm -hmm. just to have conversations, you know, about the past, you know, the present, where you think the program can go. The biggest thing about Coach Beamer is he wanted to be here. Okay, he wanted to be at South Carolina. And truly, this 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 is his dream job. Like, this is where he wanted to be. You know, he grew up, I think, Charleston, and then he was he coached here before. He understands the dynamics of recruiting in South Carolina. He understands the challenges of recruiting at South Carolina. And so I think that was the biggest difference. And then he did reach out to a ton of former lettermen, which is, you know, that that's – that, that, that's, that goes a long ways, right. you know, as you earn the respect of all the former players, the fans, you know, it gets out to the fans. So I think the fact that he did that, there's a lot of coaches that do not do that. You know, their agents get involved and then it becomes just agents talking to presidents and ADs who some of them know nothing about football. Right. And so I think there was a lot of voices involved that knew a lot about football that said hmm. he's our guy. Hmm. So he did a fantastic job of that. Uh, what I've seen so far through spring practice and, and, and preseason are a bunch of guys who have bought in and a bunch of guys that are working their tails off. And, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's some holes there. We've got to make some improvement. You know, we got now we got a lot of great players right now. We got a lot of NFL players on that roster. OK, but but I think just the fact that they bought into it, there is a lot of things to be optimistic about for the future. You know, what's interesting, Phil, and you can tell me if you'd agree or not, but when I think about it even more so, I feel like there are a lot of similarities between this year's team and that 2000 team. And maybe they're not coming off a one in 21. It's not quite as, but I mean, you know, certainly we're in turmoil last year. I mean, two and eight and you've, you've won six games the last two years and, and nobody's really expecting anything of you. And like you mentioned, there is talent on this year's group. And But again, the expectations are, especially nationally, are very, 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 very low. I mean, Vegas has got you at the over under three and a half, which I think is absolutely insane. But hey, either way, that's where it is. But I don't know. I, would, would you agree? I, th I think there's a lot of similarities between those two groups. You know, I mean, maybe a little bit of a, you know, unproven quarterback, if you will. I mean, I, there's there's, you know, the more I think about it, I feel like there's a lot of similarities between those two. I think, I think talent wise, there's a lot of similarities. I think the, the biggest right now, I think that, um, you know, you got a lot of guys who who haven't played maybe quite as much football yet, but that'll come, you know, and, and, and you've got some experience. We've got guys that played a lot of football, but we've got a lot of young guys, you know, even even our, you know, the, the two or three running backs we've got, you know, our quarterback. I mean, we've got our defensive line. They're still, you know, fairly young. I mean, we, you just you've got a lot of talent there that's very similar. Um, but I think the level of experience is probably the only difference I would say because, you know, I don't want to set expectations for anybody. I hope they win every game, and, and maybe they will, you know. Um, but if they don't, it's only going to get better, and that's what fans have to understand. This is a process. You know, everybody wants the prize. Nobody wants the process, and it, it, is, it is a process. And so we've got to give Coach Beamer and those players time. Talent is going to be there. It is there now, and it's only going to get better. Um, but I think that just having that level of experience in the Southeastern Conference, which is the greatest conference in the country, it does factor into it. So that was that would be the probably the only difference. Not saying that they won't. I hope it surpass everything that we did, and I think they eventually will. Mm. Uh, whether it be this year or not, I don't know. Mm. Now, Phil, of course, where I get you out of here, we got to talk quarterback play because again, you have great perspective playing the position. You know, at South Carolina, you you know, you think back, it's a very unique fraternity. You know, you think of guys like Todd Ellis, Steve Tannehill, yourself, Connor Shaw, Blake Mitchell, 
uh, Jake Bentley, you know, whoever else. I mean, all you guys that play the quarterback position, you all understand and respect. And it's, you know, I've had these conversations with multiple guys. It's like you just really respect what each other goes through because you know what you, each other goes through. And, of course, Luke Doty is that guy right now that is next in line. And, you know, it sounds like he's certainly quarterback one. He's going to be the dude the Gamecocks turn to. If you had to give a piece of advice, I guess, to Luke Doty, because, again, played a little bit last year and he was thrown into a terrible situation. But, you know, he – he finds out at the spring game he's QB1. He's going through this entire summer. He's going through fall camp. And if there's a difference between – and you can attest, I'm sure, there's a difference between fighting for the job and fighting for reps and then knowing you are the guy. Like, everybody on campus is looking at you, good or bad. You know what I mean? So, what piece of advice would you give to Luke Doty as he, you know, begins this journey as the Gamecocks starting quarterback? First and foremost, don't read social media. Don't listen to everybody on the outside because you're going to hear a lot of. What, what's funny is Perry Orth said that too, and that was the first thing he said. So, yeah, so don't you know? That, take take yeah. that out of the yeah. out of the equation. You know. Secondly, you know, he, he just got to understand that he, you know, and Peyton Manning always used to say this, and Peyton was the one I looked up the most. Mm. You're not competing with those other guys. You're competing with yourself. Mm. You know, you go out there every day, compete with Luke Doty. You know, make sure when you watch your film that you got better on Tuesday than you were on Monday. Mm. And that's all you got to focus on. Focus on competing with yourself, getting better every day, being a great leader, outworking everybody. Don't let every don't let anybody outwork you. You know, and if you do those things, you know, and you surround yourself with with good people on and off the field and the guys and in, 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 in toughness, you're going to get hit. You know, you're going to take some shots and all that you know, getting your, getting your butt up and get back to the huddle, encouraging your lineman, you know, it's, it's never about you. It's about the team. It's about the big picture. He'll earn their respect by doing that. Uh, you do those things and then just focus on the process, play within the system, you know, don't press, don't try to, don't try to do too much. Just play within the system. You got, you got, you got two, two or three really good guys behind you. We got a pretty dang solid offensive line, you know, so we're going to be able to run the football some, you know, just play within the system is what I would say. But those those will be the kind of the key points I would tell him. What have you seen from his game so far that you like or you want to see him improve on also? I mean, I know it's a very limited sample size, but, you know, I think we kind of all understand the type of player he is. And I mean, I, I'd argue he's one of the most athletic Carolina quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, a guy that runs a 4-4-40. I mean, Connor he's was one- athletic, you were athletic, but, I mean, Luke Doty is – I mean, that that's scooting a 4-4-40. But things you've seen in his game thus far you, you like and want to see him – improve as he goes yeah so i saw him play in high school when uh they came to north myrtle beach because that's where i live and i saw him play in high school and he was about the i don't know fourth or fifth player of the game and he pulled the ball down and ran and scored Mm -hmm. and i was like wow i mean he he was the fastest guy on the field Uh, not not just fast for quarterback he was the fastest guy on the field so, you know, he's going to create things with his legs. Okay. Luke, Luke, he's going to, you know, Dota, he's going to create things with his legs. You know, the mental part of the game, he'll continue to progress. That is that, that was me. That's any young quarterback. And let's keep in mind, he's, he's, he's young. I Very mean, young. He's Very got a lot young. of, a lot of football ahead of him. So, right. you know, we can't put too much pressure on him and I don't think they will. I think they'll, mm-hmm. I think they'll, you know, they'll limit what they do with him and then run the football and then again, just play within the system. But um, I don't see many weaknesses. I mean, he can throw the ball. You know, he's got a quick release. Um, it's just a matter of how quickly can you process it. 
you know, mentally knowing the offense, knowing the ins and outs of it and knowing where to go with the ball under every circumstance, you know, and then, and then, you know, not, not, not turning the ball over, you know, those things, cause those things that we get that, that's the things that get you beat, you know, knowing when to throw it away when it's time to throw the ball away, knowing when to pull it down and understand your strengths that, you know, you're, you are a great runner. You are, you, you are one of the fastest guys on the field against anybody you play. And I think that, you know, that if he does those things, he's going to be just fine. Mm. Phil, this has been a pleasure, man. It was, uh, I think it had been like two and a half or three years, same as, like I told you, off air, Langston Moore. It's, it's great to chat with you once again, man. We definitely need to do it again soon. Last thing before I let you go, favorite Lou Holt story. Does anything stick out? I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously you said earlier, he, he we're going to find a good home for you. I don't know if I'd ever heard yeah. that. That's pretty hilarious. Oh, no, yeah. He came up to me out third or fourth spring practice, and he's like, and then he said, don't worry, son, I'll find you a good home. You know, we'll, we'll get you to Tennessee where you wanted to go originally or something like that. I mean, he's just he's just one of those guys. But I will say he 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 called us up to spring practice, first spring practice, and we were just busting our tails. I mean, everybody's getting after it, you know, and trying to impress every coach out there. And he blows the whistle. Everybody comes running up to him. And uh, he goes, one thing's for sure. You come to the University of South Carolina for one of two reasons. A, you're a loser. Or B, you just like to surround yourself with other losers. So my, I could my, go I could go on and on, man. There's my friend, time. that that is, I mean, I thought Eric Kimry did a good Lou Holtz. That is incredible. I, I thought Lou Holtz was in the room with you. Yeah. And the my other goodness. one, okay, I'll give I'll give you one more. So Golly. He, 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 he would say stuff like it's not your fault, son. It's your parents' fault. You were just born a loser. <laughs> Bro, that's, I mean, that's perfect. That's incredible. You ought to like be prank calling people with that. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So Dude, if I, if I could yeah. do that, I'd be calling up the facility and that just, just acting a fool. I feel like <laughs> it's a good thing. I don't have that power. That's incredible, man. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Good old coach Holtz, man. Yeah, no, I do want, I do want to put this in there, Chris. So spread the word. I'm gonna to try to do some uh, quarterback camps starting up here soon. Yeah, yeah. Let uh, the people know, man. Some, I didn't even know that. Some, uh, some 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 one on one sessions, some private lessons, and then uh, I know right now the season's starting, so but it'll be probably later on after the season. But we're gonna do some some quarterback receiver camps and stuff like that. But any start doing some one on one private lessons and uh, give back to some young men because it's something I'm very passionate about doing. Yeah, and definitely tag us, man. Let me know, and we'll share it on our socials and definitely get people out there, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm cool, glad man. you brought that up. That's great to hear. But, yeah, seriously, man, Phil, this was this was incredible. It's always great chatting with you, and let's make sure it's not quite as long the next time that we chat. But, uh, seriously, man, I know I speak for all Gamecock fans, and I say it was a pleasure to watch you do what you did and get quarterbacking some of the best teams in school history and some of the most certainly most memorable teams in school history as well with what you guys did. And I'd say on – and off the field because I've been able to talk with so many of your former teammates and the impact you guys have had beyond just the field has been incredible and awesome to watch and well, appreciate a, you. It was an honor to do. I love your show, Chris, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. He's Phil Petty. I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in and we'll catch you next time on the episode of the Spurs Up Show.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.